Hey friends, I am so looking forward to responding on the podcast to some of the messages I've received in regards to the questions on your heart. I have quite a few questions stacking up over here, but I wanted to first share this conversation that is burning on my heart. And I believe it's really timely. I believe that the Lord is on this conversation today and that this is important to talk about right now. This is a topic of conversation that the Lord's been having with me about identity and the importance of knowing who we are in these times we are living. This is the only way we can respond right is if we can see rightly. So I want to initiate this discussion with you right now. I want to ask you, did you know that today, March 16th, this is March 16th, 2022, it's Purim Now, I don't know if you've heard that word before or if you're familiar with that, but this is a holiday or a feast day found in the Bible. And I believe that there is beauty and significance in remembering and celebrating the Feast of the Bible. But unlike Passover, Purim, it may be something you haven't heard about before. Basically, it's all about the story of Esther, which I'm sure you've heard of that story. And um, that's why I love this biblical holiday so much. And I want to form some of our conversation around that inspiring story today. Listen, if you've been feeling overwhelmed by the chaos in the world, if you've been feeling beat down by the challenges in your world, if you've been wavering and floundering inside trying to navigate all the unknowns, let's get re-rooted in our identity in Christ so that we can stand firm and courageous now and in the days to come. This conversation is loaded and heartfelt and I believe like I said, timely for you. So pray for wisdom to open up your ears to whatever the Lord is speaking to you. And I can't wait to share. Let me get started really quick. I just want to read a new review on the podcast. This is from Camera Crazy. Thank you so much. She just says, wow, one episode in and blown away. The review says, the podcast options these days can be a bit overwhelming. I was folding laundry and looking for something new, and I'm glad I stumbled upon the Nourishing Mompreneur podcast. So many golden nuggets for kingdom-driven mom bosses and even non-business owner moms alike. Thank you, Michelle, for sharing your heart. Listen, I am so honored to be here with you. I am honored to have this opportunity to talk with you and to just pour out my heart to you. So thank you so much for listening and for the reviews and um, just for giving me your feedback. It means so much. All right, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome back to the Nourishing Mompreneur Podcast, where we get encouraged and empowered as we pursue our greatest potential within the walls of our home. Hey mama, my name is Michelle High, and I'm so thankful you're here. Do you feel like your life is good, but something in you feels unfulfilled? Do you feel stuck in the trenches of motherhood, exhausted and working so hard, but feeling like you're getting nowhere? Do you have big dreams you hold in your heart, but you've been living small? Are you motivated for more, but don't have the clarity or the courage to do anything about it? Do you want to discover God's best and see if it's really possible to be an excellent wife, an intentional mother, and be successful in business, all for the glory of God? As a wife of 16 years, a homeschooling mama of five, and an entrepreneur, I know exactly how you feel, every bit of it. I truly believe that the most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your home and that there is purpose in every season. If you are a fellow business-minded mama with a heart for home and a love for Jesus, 
let's process this journey and grow together. Hey guys. So this past weekend, we had a family movie night and we watched the movie called Overcomer. It's not a new movie, so many of you may have seen it before, but I wanted to share one particular scene with you just to start out because I think it is so powerful and really encompasses this conversation that I'd love to have with you today. So to give a little bit of backstory, there's a guy named John and he has a basketball team. He's like head of their athletic program in a big way. And he has had a rough season, but this next year is his year. He's got the right seniors, the right players. Everything is just set up for him to have his best season yet. But what ends up happening is they shut down the main factory of the town. And so, so many people have lost their jobs. Families are moving away. And one after the next, he's losing his basketball team players. People are moving from the school. He's just trying to navigate a lot of uncertainty, a lot of chaos, a lot of unknowns, so much disappointment. Everything that he thought things were going to look like and things were going to be are just crumbling before his eyes. And he's just having a hard time. So what ends up happening is he's with a pastor and he's serving in the way of hospital visitation. So he goes with the pastor to the hospital to visit somebody who's sick and he ends up on his own and accidentally going into the wrong hospital room. So he meets this guy in there and ends up developing a relationship with him. The guy's name was Tim. And Tim was interesting because he lived his life like hell. Like he had a really bad life. He made a lot of poor choices and really messed up the majority of his life. And as a consequence or just where he ended up is he ended up losing everything. He lost his health and because of his health conditions, ended up losing his sight. But what he said as he was laying in the hospital bed is he's like, you know what? I had to lose my sight so that I could actually see. I had to lose everything. I had to lose it all. I had to lose my very own vision so that I could actually find faith and see God. And so He's a man who lived a rough life, but he's a man of strong faith as he's laying in hospital bed, pretty lonely and in a place where God is all that I have. Now, John, he is like the typical good American Christian guy. He's got the wife. He's got the kids. He's lived good all of his life. He tries to do the right thing. He's got like the white picket fence American dream kind of situation. So he's like kind of the good Christian that's just been faithful and kind of just doing doing his thing. So this is their background of their conversation. And what ends up happening is John, he stumbles into this hospital room, starts building the relationship with this guy in the bed, Tim, and they end up having this conversation. So I'm literally going to just read this conversation to you. And I'll just put myself in the position of Tim, who is the man that is sick in the hospital bed, as I so that you can follow along with the dialogue. All right. So Tim says, John, if I asked you who you are, what is the first thing that comes to mind? John says, well, I'm a basketball coach. And if that's stripped away, John says, I'm also a history teacher. And Tim says, okay, we take that away. Who are you? John says, well, I'm a husband and a father. And if God forbid that should ever change, John starts getting frustrated. He's like, I don't understand this game. I don't know. He's like, I'm a white American male. He's like, I don't know what you're trying to ask or what you're trying to do. 
John's like, well, I'm a Christian. And Tim says, and what does that mean? How important is that to you? And John says, well, it means I'm a follower of Christ. And it's very important. And Tim's response is, wow, it's interesting. It's interesting how far down on your list that was. So John's getting a little bit defensive, but the point of it is, and this is what Tim's response is, and this is so powerful. And he just says, your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. It didn't sound like the Lord had first place in John's life. Being a Christian or being a follower of Christ, it was so far down in his list. And in the movie, when John lost his basketball team, when the things that he was clinging to for his identity and his success and his future and his worthiness, when those things started falling away, it didn't just disappoint him, it devastated him. And that spoke a lot of where he was really placing his trust and where his heart was. So today I want to ask you, who are you and what have you allowed to define you? Something or someone is going to have first place in your heart. But when you find your identity in the one who created you, it will change your whole perspective. Like they said in the movie, your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. And I think this conversation is so important right now because we're living in some wild and crazy times, to put it kindly, and we need to check in with our heart now. Sometimes we don't even realize the things that we're giving our heart to until we lose that thing. So let's cross this bridge now in our heart and in our mind so that we can begin testing where we're placing our identity in things that may not be eternal or may not be of the highest value in the eyes of the Lord. So what are you identifying with? And most importantly, how does God see it? There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 3.12. I'm just going to read it. It says, anyone who builds on that foundation. So they're talking about the foundation of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about, we're, we're, in, we're in a good spot. We're building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Like we're, we're doing a good thing. But it says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I don't know about you, but I believe that God is not just waiting for eternity to test our lives, to look at everything on that judgment day and see hey, this was, this was of great reward. This was gold. This was good. And you know what? All of this thing that you did and built, it was actually hay and it's getting burned up and it doesn't even matter. It had no weight on eternity. It had no impact from a kingdom perspective. I believe that God's not just waiting for judgment day to do that. I believe he's testing us now. And he's wanting us right now to really take all the pieces of our life, what we're doing, who we're becoming, what we're giving our heart to, our affection to, our time to, what we're pouring into. And he wants us to ask ourselves, what is your best, God? What do you see as gold and what do you see as hay?
And I don't know where you're feeling, but maybe there's some good things in your life that you're like, I've always done this. I've This has always been a part of my life. This is a good thing. It's not, this is not even about like good versus bad, or it, it's about God, what is your best? So maybe there's some really good things that have been a part of your life that you've been doing that for some reason, they just don't feel right anymore. You're feeling uneasy about it. You're feeling like, man, I need to do something different, but this doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like the higher way, the bigger way. It feels like going smaller. It feels like little. It doesn't quite make sense to me, but maybe God's calling you to do things differently. I believe that in these times, there is so much value in the little things and the simple things. And I believe that God wants to highlight what is most important in his eyes. And so this is where we need to really be pursuing his heart and seeking him and asking for wisdom and all that we're doing and all that we're giving our times to, because we need to know that we're doing the right things, that we're building with the right materials. We can be doing a good thing, but it may not be, like I said, God's best. And we want to do the things that he sees as gold. And and this is where we have to trust that God's ways are higher, because what I'm learning is that it doesn't really make sense all the time, but I trust that God's exchange is beautiful. What may seem like, wow, God, like this is such a good thing. This is, this is like, I'm doing this for you. Like, this is my purpose. This is my potential. Like he's like, no, um, actually lay that at my feet because that's actually hate to me. And in exchange, just pray with your husband because that is important. That's most important. That's priority. That's gold in my eyes. There's this exchange happening. And so if you are at a place where you're wrestling in your heart with some things, or you're feeling a lot of doubt creep in, or you're just feeling a little bit lost, that is okay. This is a great time to just pause and take all of your life, all the pieces, and just bring it to the surface and lay it before the Lord and ask him, God, how do you see this? What is most important to you? What do you want me to pursue? How can I simplify and create more oneness with my family, with my home, and in my heart with you, God? Because being one with you is everything. Knowing you, God, is eternal life. And that doesn't start when I die and go to heaven. That starts here on earth because I get to know you here on earth. And I'm not going to sit here and worry about what's going on in the world and if we're living in the end times and, oh God, you're going to come back and take us out. No, like I want to focus on you inhabiting the world through your people. I want you to come and live and dwell within me. That is what we're after. That's where our focus needs to be. So I want to encourage you to pause for a minute, check in with your heart, take inventory and test and ask the Lord to give you his eyes so that you can see yourself in the right way and identify and place your identity in the things that are eternal. You know, I know there's a little bit of the fear of the Lord on this conversation, but you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I want to encourage you to exchange your fear of the world, of the unknowns, of all that's going around and all the possibilities. Exchange your fear, that fear, for the fear of the Lord. Because in that, you will have wisdom. And in that, you will find greater love of the Father. It really goes hand in hand. How we see ourselves matter. And life can tend to blur our vision from seeing things as they really are. And especially from seeing the way God sees. But now is the time to clean our lens that we can rise up in the truth of our identity. I know for me as a mom, I want to build my children's faith. And I always 
want to help form their mindsets and their hearts and just the way they view themselves in a healthy, godly way. I want them to see themselves the way God sees them. This is one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is that there's so many opportunities to kind of address this with my kids. So, oh my goodness. So just the other night at dinner, I don't know. I was debating. I'm like, do I tell this story? Do I not? This is so embarrassing, literally. Okay, so you guys just met Hannah in the last couple podcasts. She lived with me for a few months, of course, as you know. Uh, if you haven't listened to those, please go back and listen to it. Those are the sweetest most beautiful, rich conversations. And I believe those are also very timely because I think that, um, yeah, just go check it out. But all this to say, Hannah lived with me for two months and she does not know this about me. She did not ever hear this or see this because it's so private. But here's the deal. I don't know how you are as a mom, but there's something about babies and little kids that like your kids, let's say your kids, they bring out like the weirdness of you. Like you cannot look at them and not like come up with some kind of cute name or voice or there's just some kind of weirdness that comes out, at least for me. Like I actually feel like you're like not normal if you just can always just talk to your baby in a normal voice and just be so adultish with them. <laughs> like I don't know what it is, but my kids, when they're little, they grow out of this fast, but I just, there's just, they all have their names, their voices, like there's just this weird side that comes out of me and my husband too. <laughs> so anyways, I'm the weird mom. There's that. Okay. So my little daughter, don't ask me why, but sometimes I like, I purr like a cat, like purr at her. And it's the funniest thing because she knows it's like a love language. It's like a love, like a, love, like a call of love. If I ever purr, she knows without a doubt I'm talking to her. Like she will respond as if I'm calling her name. She knows that like, oh, my mom's like loving me. My mom's calling me. She's beckoning me. Like I know this is like the weirdest thing, guys. And it's embarrassing. But now you know. You know all the things. But this is the truth. So I was at dinner the other night. Everybody had kind of left the table except for two of my daughters. And my youngest is sitting there. She's finishing her food. And I'm just like smelling her, like kissing her ear and like purring at her. And like she, I'm just loving her. Like she's just cute. She's just fun. And I asked her, I was like, why, why does mommy purr at you? And she's like, oh, well, because like, I'm, she's like, because you're like a cat. And I was like, no, I was like, because I see you as like a lioness. Like you're like this beautiful lion. And I just started pouring into her how I see her and, and how strong and courageous she is and just speaking her identity over her life. And I was like, you know what? I actually have a picture of you. I actually have this really cool picture and this is how I see you. And so I pulled up this picture. Go check your email. I have it in the email so you can see it because I would love for you to take a look and have this picture in your mind because I believe that this applies to you, which is why I'm even sharing it humbly. <laughs> um, but this picture is a beautiful like warrior princess and she's standing on the cliff and she's just standing tall and confident. She's got like arrows in her back and next to her is a big, beautiful lion. And it's just this scene of like, man, Lord, let us see ourselves as that. Let us see ourselves as like warrior princesses as daughters of the king standing next to the lion of Judah with strength and courage and resiliency, no matter what for the times to come, that we might see ourselves the way you see us. Because when we can see ourselves that way, it changes us. It changes who we are. I want my kids to see who they are so they can live according to their identity.
think about it. I mean, we talk about having vision boards and like even with health, think about how if you want to lose weight, it's like get a picture of somebody who's like really in shape, like picture those six pack abs, like get a vision in your mind so that you can like have something to go towards visually and like become that. And so vision is really important, but hey, maybe instead of picturing yourself like J-Lo, like maybe you need to picture yourself as God sees you, as a kingdom warrior, as a princess, strong and courageous for the times to come. So I just wanted to share that because I want to give you a glimpse today of who you are from the story of Esther. Go check that email, get that picture. And I want to mention because today is Purim. And I really encourage you to go read the story of Esther in its entirety because I won't get into it too much. That's an entire conversation and podcast in itself. But there's a lot of beauty and remembering and reflecting on the feast and the appointed times in the Bible. And the story of Esther and Purim is no exception. What I want you to see is how Esther responded to chaos, to potential tragedy, to a devastating situation. She responded in a unique way because she simply knew who she was. Now, I know you guys probably know the story of Esther, but basically there's a king of Persia and his wife disrespects and dishonors him. He gets mad. He exiles her, kicks her out. And over time he decides, all right, I want to replace her. Esther becomes one of the potentials to be the queen and she ends up winning. She goes through this preparation process and she ends up becoming the new queen of Persia. Well, she's a Jew and nobody knows this. But her, she knows who she is, but she's also the queen of Persia. So through the story of events, what ends up happening is a decree gets passed where all of the Jewish people, everybody, men, women, children, are about to get wiped out in a single day. Complete tragedy, complete atrocity. And you know, Esther, she's not exempt from this situation. And when she finds out I'm just going to read in Esther 4:14 through 16. This is their conversation. It says, "For if you keep silent at this time, this is her uncle speaking. Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this." Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. So she's responding to her uncle. And she says, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young woman will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. One of the things about Esther is she responded in a way that was different because of who she was, because of who her God was. She fought her battle, not with words or striving, not with self-preservation techniques, not with defense, but actually with authority and honor and really strategies of the kingdom. Esther fought for the lives of her people, and what she did was she united the people to pray and fast. These are weapons of warfare, and I think these are things that are important for us to remember 
These are powerful tools that may seem simple, that may seem lowly, that may seem small, but I believe that God wants to use these strategies to really bring breakthrough in our lives and in the world around us. Okay, so she united the people to pray and fast. She believed even when she wasn't guaranteed the results. I mean, she had purpose and identity and she had to have faith enough because she was willing to give her life for a people. So then she actually feasted. She offered hospitality. Now, I think there is something so significant and beautiful about feasting, about hospitality. We talked about it in the last few episodes. You need to go back and listen to that. There's something really powerful um, and spiritual about having a meal with somebody and coming to the table with other people. Even think about Psalms 23. It talks about you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. And what was interesting too, as I was reading the Bible, is that the king really valued meals and feasting and partying. It starts out in Esther how he was loving his kingdom. He was loving all the people of the kingdom well. And he was just having these feasts and having these parties and celebrating. So this was obviously something that mattered to him. This was obviously a way that he loved and he felt love. And so she actually was loving him the way he received love by throwing a feast for him and addressing him and handling it in that way. She honored the king. And so just one thing that I was thinking about too, it's like, think about it. When your husband makes a really dumb decision, like, are you actually honoring him to influence him to a better way, to influence him to break through? Or do you undermine and disrespect him and whatever, silent treatment him or whatever it is that you do? Like, are you playing games? Are you trying to fix your husband? Are you trying to fix things in your own strength? Or are you actually doing things God's way? Are you actually thinking like, you know what? I'm actually just going to honor him well, even though he doesn't deserve it at all. I'm actually going to love him the way he needs to receive love, even though it doesn't make sense and I don't feel it. I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to trust that God's going to stand by me as I stand by my man. All right. That is totally a side note, but I want to bring that up. In many ways, what Esther did didn't make a lot of logical sense, but she was patient in suffering. She remained faithful. She was willing to give her all because she not only held the position of queen, most importantly, she held the position of the daughter of the king, Yahweh. Like she knew that she was one of his chosen people. She wasn't just the queen of Persia. She was first a Jew. She was, she was a chosen woman. The name Esther actually means star. And she did shine bright in a very dark time. And she ended up saving an entire people group because of her courage, because of her obedience, because of the way she responded. So all of that to say, I just want to encourage you to remember this story today and to affirm your identity in Christ so that you can shine bright now and in the days to come. Because the truth is, is that you are his chosen. And I believe that God wants you to shine bright, to stand tall, to really facilitate breakthrough in your home and in the world around you. God has called you for such a time as this. I truly believe that. But he needs to have your all. You need to be willing to give him your all. And that all starts with surrender. And we talk about that so much here on the podcast. One thing you can do is just take a minute to read Ephesians 2 and maybe just ask the Lord to remind you the simple truth of who you are in Christ. But I want to encourage you to ask God about 
everything and respond the way he leads. Seek to see his perspective because it may look like fasting. It may look like feasting, but it will most definitely look like humbly approaching the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and just laying your life down before him because we can't do this life without him. We can't do it. So friend, who are you? If everything in your life was stripped away, who would you be? How would you respond? Would you still have hope? Because true hope only comes from the Lord. And now is the time to determine right now where our hope will be placed so that we can stand firm in who we are. We live in a day where we've got to know who we are. We need to figure out now who we serve and where we stand so that we can withstand the storms of life. And I say we because I'm right there with you as always. You, my friend, my beautiful friend, were made for such a time as this. So hold your head high and don't dismay or feel discouraged at the times we're living. Just know that you are called and you are chosen. And this is actually your time to rise up and to get your heart right. But here's what you need to know. What you need to know is that knowing who you are starts with knowing whose you are. Because you can't see yourself rightly until you can see the Lord rightly. This past week, I've been reading the story of Stephen in the book of Acts. And this is after Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose again, and this is the early church. It's rising, and Stephen is a man of God. He's a follower of Christ, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's just doing the right thing. He's being the hands and feet of Jesus, and he's really just honoring him with his life and giving his life to the way that God is calling him, and he ends up becoming the first martyr. And I just want to read what happens. So basically, He gets called into the court. He gets arrested. And it's a really similar situation to Jesus. He's in there. They're falsely accusing him. They've set him up completely. They're they're saying lies. They're mocking him. They're humiliating him. I mean, it's just a horrific, abusive situation, truly. And he's just standing there and he's taking it. He's not upset. He's not shaken. And it actually says in Acts 6.15, It says, every member of the Supreme Council focused his gaze on Stephen for right in front of their eyes while being falsely accused, his face glowed as though he had the face of an angel. So Stephen's standing there, he's getting all these like literally like verbal stones thrown at him and he's at peace. He's actually glowing, radiating God's goodness. He ends up responding. They're like, what do you have to say for yourself? And he doesn't actually respond to defend himself or to defend any of the accusations. He actually responds. It's really interesting with the word of God. He just starts preaching the straight up gospel. Well, by the end of it, um, they're not having it. They're not happy about this. And this is what it says. This is Acts 7 now, 54 through 60. It says, when they heard these things, all the things that Stephen just spoke, they were overtaken with violent rage filling their souls, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith. Wow. Okay, I have to stop there for a second because I'm just reminded that 
God has called us to be overcomers. Well, if we're going to be overcomers, we actually have to overcome something. So I don't know what you're overcoming or what's going on in your life, but like God has called you to be an overcomer. So there are, that means there's things that are going to have to be overcome. But just like Stephen, he was overtaken <laughs> with great faith. So him being an overcomer was connected with him being overtaken with great faith. All right, I'm going to keep reading. It says, Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. He fixed his gaze into the heavenly realm and saw the glory and splendor of God and Jesus, who stood up at the right hand of God. Look, Stephen said, I can see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. His accusers covered their ears with their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice. Then they pounced on him and threw him outside the city walls to stone him. His accusers, one by one, placed their outer garments at the feet of a young man named Saul of Tarsus. As they hurled stone after stone at him, Stephen prayed, Our Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. He crumpled to his knees and shouted in a loud voice, Our Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. Whoa. Like this story is so crazy. It's so crazy how Stephen, first being hurled verbal insults and verbal stones, and then ultimately being stoned to death, could literally glow with the goodness of God and reflect him, could literally find peace and to his last breath, forgiveness of the very people that were murdering him. He was so fixed on Jesus. He could see him. He could see him rightly. And because he could see him, he found peace in who he was and where he was going. There wasn't fear. I don't even know if he was experiencing pain. I don't even know. But all I know is that so many times in my world, the chaos around me, the distractions and all that's going on, it is so hard to fix my eyes on Jesus. It is so hard to find that peace. Gosh, we have to get our eyes. We have to practice looking at him and seeing him because we've got to see him. Because if we can see him, we can see ourselves and where we stand. So I'm going to go now to Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. And it says, But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So if we can see God, if we can see Jesus interceding on our behalf, seated at the right hand of the Father. We can also see ourselves with him, united as one, seated with him in the heavenly places. That changes everything. So I just want to pray into that today. Father God, we just come before you humbly, Lord, and we just ask you to remove all distractions in our heart and in our mind, Lord, I pray that you would just bring a stillness to us right now, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that we would see you, Lord. Open up our eyes. 
cleanse our lenses. Help us to see you and see us as one with you. Your heart is that we walk and live as one with you so that we can experience joy, the joy of surrender, Lord. And out of that oneness, we can be one with one another and we can have your love for each other and for the world. And we can be the family that you desire and we can be the bride that you're coming back for. But it all starts with seeing you, God. It all starts with knowing you. Knowing you is eternal life, God. And thank you for that gift that happens now in our hearts and in our homes. It starts now on earth where we, we want to know you. We want to see you, God. Lord, give us eyes to see ourselves seated with you in heavenly places, Lord, that you would just take us higher and higher, Lord, that we would be able to pause right now and just go up with you and look down and have a vision for the future and, and hope. And we could see from your perspective, Lord, show us the areas of our life that we're building that are not your best. The areas that we're building with materials or we're doing things that are the world's ways that aren't what you have in mind. We want to build with gold, with precious jewels. We want to build with things that are eternal, not with things that are going to be burned up and that won't matter at the end of time. Lord, help us to know what matters most to your heart, Jesus. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and a heart to obey, Lord. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit and anoint us for the days that we're living in. We love you, Jesus, and we just say together that we trust you. We trust you no matter what, Lord. We rise up. May we reflect your goodness. May we radiate your glory, and may we shine bright in the days that we're living in the dark times, Lord. May we stand strong and firm and rise up in the spirit of Esther. Father, we worship you because you are worthy of it all, Lord. Lord, we give you more of ourselves and we re-surrender fresh today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey mama, real quick before you run off and do all the things, if you found value in today's conversation, it would mean the world to me if you left a review and subscribed to my podcast. I know you know how precious time is. The biggest thank you you can give me for taking the time to share on this podcast is to leave a written review. This helps me on my mission to encourage and empower others who are pursuing their greatest potential from home. So head over to iTunes, scroll down to the bottom of the Nourishing Mompreneur podcast to rate and leave a super quick review to let me know what spoke to your heart. And if you're feeling a little extra today, take a screenshot of today's episode and tag me on social. I value your time so much and appreciate you connecting with me. Find me at nourishingmichelle.com forward slash connect. 